Uh, we're finishing up chapter 5 and we're moving into chapter 6 where Paul speaks to everyone. It's not just uh, to men, it's not just to women, it's not just to children. He is speaking to everyone. Men, women, children, parents, employers and employees. So, where have we been so far on our journey in Ephesians? I'm going to go through it pretty quickly because we've covered a lot of ground. We have looked at the fact that we are all chosen by God. That he has redeemed us and he promises to be with us. We've looked at the fact that God is above all. That we are saved by his grace. But we're not in it on our own. It's not just my relationship with Christ. It's about the fact that we're all in relationship with Christ and with one another. We're in this together. And God has a plan. And his plan uh, is for us to share the news of the boundless riches of Christ. And we should pray for one another. And if we look at the task that God sets us and we go, we couldn't possibly do that. It's too difficult for me. God gives us gifts. He gives us gifts that we can use for the benefit of one another and for his kingdom. And we should be growing up in our faith. We shouldn't just stay kind of uh, as children in our faith, but we should grow into maturity in our faith. And in doing so, we try and imitate God by laying down our lives for others. And last time, we looked at the fact that Paul's instruction to us is that we need to wake up. We need to open our eyes to the things that are going on around us, the things that we hear, the things that we're told, and to realise what is true and where people try to manipulate us. And we need to clean up our act. Now, we come now to one of the bits of the Bible that it can be a bit challenging in our modern times. Because it says things like, Wives, submit to your husbands. And all the women go, you kidding me? I'm not submitting to my husband, we're equal. No, 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 he should submit to me in fact, because I know that I'm really the head of the household. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at more than one Bible. In the church we've got the NIV Bible, that's the one we tend to use. And these nice blue ones. Uh, but if you were to buy a new NIV that was written more recently, you'd find that things have changed. And it's not because the Bible's changed. It's because as people have gone back and studied and got better understanding of the original text, and we've discovered more and more other texts from the same time that the Bible was written, people get a better understanding of what the words mean. And so therefore they go, oh... That means you change it slightly to get a better, so it's more close to the original, what the original text says. Now, if you were to look at any of our Bibles, you will find that we have got numbers in them. And it tells us what chapter we're at or what verse we're at. They weren't there in the original text. I don't know if you knew that. They, it, when Paul was writing his letters, when he was writing Ephesians, he didn't go... Chapter 1. If you've ever written a letter, I don't know if you've ever written a letter to someone. I know that I have and I've never thought. Chapter 1 of this letter. 
And I know what would be more helpful. We won't just have sentences. I'll put in some verses as well. Because then people will know. No, they weren't there. Paul wrote his letters. The other people who wrote the various scriptures of the Bible, they didn't put in the chapter verses. They've been added to help us to find things and to reference things. Which is why, if you look at some verses, they start in the middle of a sentence. And you think, well, that's a strange bit. Why don't they start at the start of a sentence and at the end of a sentence start the next one? But no, it breaks it up. And that's partly to do with the way it gets translated. But if, if you were to look, for example, at the King James Version, I've got a slide up on the screen. It's a bit small. I'm not expecting you to read it. That's fine. But the King James Version, it's just written. Verse by verse by verse by verse. That's fine. But if you then look at an NIV version, they put in a title. Suddenly, an extra bit goes in. And this bit is entitled, Instructions for Christian Households. Well, that's, that's very nice. But what it immediately makes us do is go, this bit must be about instructions for Christian households. Which it might be about. But actually, that is what whoever's written the NIV Bible has decided what this bit's about. And we may agree or disagree with that. If you were to look at another Bible, for example, the New Revised Standard Version, which is one that they encourage in college, they put in a different title, and in fact they had another one. So you'll see at the top of that one, if, you can, if you've got really good eyesight, you can see from the back, at the start of this bit, it's called, it's not instructions, it's just called the Christian household. It's no longer instructions for the Christian household, it's just the Christian household. And then a little bit further on, they've put in an extra title, children and parents. And if you were to look a bit further on, it would say um, slaves and slave owners, or whatever their particular title is. And by doing that, they immediately make you think, ah, before you even read what it actually says, you go, oh, this must be what it's about. And so it changes the way that we might look at it. If the titles aren't there, you're kind of left to make up your own mind. If the chapter verses, uh, chapters and verses weren't there, you might read it differently because you'd read it where the sentences start and finish and you might put different bits together. And this is one of those bits of the Bible that gets misused a lot and has done through history. So what's happened is because men, we've not been so good throughout history at reading these things properly and we, we like to take advantage for our own uh, use... What men have done, and sadly it is mostly men, we've, we've misused it and we've, we've read the bit where it says, wives submit to your husbands. And we stop there. We don't read the rest of it. And we, it's about wives submitting to husbands. And so then what happens is men take advantage of women and women are abused. They're put down into a lower place. We say, oh, they shouldn't do certain things. Oh, women, you can't do that because you're a woman. And then it, then it goes on and it says parents, and again it's mostly the men, have taken the words children obey your parents to take advantage of children. And you can look through history and you could probably even look now where people have taken advantage of their children. We used to send kids up uh, chimneys, for example, and down in mines. We don't do that now. We probably do other things where we take advantage of children. But this has happened and it does happen. And people justify it and they say, oh, but it says... They've got to obey me so I can pretty much tell them to do what I like. And then it says, employers. Well, 
it says slaves and owners, but in our context it would be employers and employees. And it says slaves, obey your masters. And so masters and employers have gone, oh, you've got to do what I tell you. But whilst this passage does have things to say to men, women, husbands, wives, children, parents, and employers and employees separately, actually we need to look at it as a whole. Because this is a passage about being Christ-like in all areas and all aspects of our lives, throughout our entire lives, with all people in each role that we have. Verse 21 says, Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul sets this up by saying, Be subject to one another. Everybody, as Christians, this is how we should live. Now, last time, we talked about being imitators of God. Now, Paul is returning to the concept of us all being in this Christian walk together. It's not like it's a race where I've got to try and finish before any of you and go, ah, because I'm the minister, I'm a better Christian, and therefore I'll get to heaven first. It doesn't work like that. We're in this together. Last time we talked about living differently because we're Christians, because we know Christ. Now Paul gets us to consider the different roles and relationships that we have. Now I've got a question for you. Now, I am only one person, but I have got various different roles and different responsibilities and different relationships. Now, can you think of any of them? You can call out, what are the different roles and relationships and responsibilities that I have? Father. Husband. Sorry? Pastor. Student. Brother. Son. Uncle. Not an aunt, thanks. Just because I wore a skirt, a kilt, aunt during the week. Friend. Yeah. Okay. So there's loads. I, I, I went through and just tried to make a list. So I've got brother. I'm also a stepbrother and a half-brother. Um, I'm a chairman. I sit on uh, a committee and I get to be a chairman uh, at the moment. I'm a colleague, or I have been, and I guess I still am in some ways, um, even though I'm kind of the only pastor here. Um, we work together. I'm a cousin, an uncle, a nephew, a grandson. At times, I'm a customer. I'm a fan. I support, I mean, I'm not very good at supporting Plymouth Argyle, not like Lee supports Arsenal, but I'm a fan. I'm a father, I'm a friend, I'm a husband. I'm a mentee, I've got people who support me and, and, and tell me what to do. I'm a minister, a pastor, I'm a son, I'm a student. I'm a trustee, I'm a volunteer. You might think of others, if I asked you what are all the roles and the responsibilities and the relationships you have, you might list other ones. And in each one, there are sub-things, like because I'm the minister, I'm also a preacher. I also do pastoral care. I lead worship. I serve communion. You could break it down beyond uh, just the initial title. You might have some roles that are the same as me, but there's going to be some that you have a different. I'm never going to be a mother. I'm never going to be a daughter or a sister, even if I do dress up. 
some of our roles and relationships we will always have. I'm always going to be a son. I can't change that. I am a son. That is how it is. Some will come and go. I used to be a youth worker. I'm not a youth worker now. Some will come and stay. I didn't used to be a husband or a dad, but I am now and I always will be. There are other roles and relationships that I don't yet have, but one day I may have. I may get to become a grandparent one day. I'm hoping it's a little while off. I may get to be a father-in-law. There's roles that I don't have that I might one day have. When Paul writes to the Ephesians and talks about wives and husbands, children, parents, slaves and masters, what he's doing is he is speaking to each role that we have. I'm just one person. I am rich or Richard, depending on how you prefer to call me. But I have got different roles and responsibilities. Different people know me in different ways. And they see me in different ways. When Paul earlier in chapter 5 talks about cleaning up our act, it's so we're blameless before Christ, but it's also so that in those different places that we are, those different relationships we have, we're witnesses and examples of Christ in those places. Not just in church on a Sunday, not just at home amongst our family, but when we are at work, when we are work, when we're employing somebody else, when we are a dad or a mum or a son or a daughter or an aunt or an uncle. Paul uses these as examples of where we are to be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, so there's the roles of relationships. He also talks about the different generations. By talking about and to husbands, wives, children, masters, same people, he's not just saying we need to live out our Christian witness in all those roles, but it is at all times. I'm part of a generation. Some of you are in a younger generation, some of you are in an older generation. And what Paul is saying is that the message of Christ, the gospel, is not for a specific generation. It is for us at each generation and at each period in our lives. Jesus was radical. He engaged with people in the community that he was in, the society he was in, that nobody else would do so with. So the time that Paul was writing, it's reflecting what Jesus has said. John Stott says this, It is Jesus Christ who treated women with courtesy and honour in an age when they were despised. It is Jesus Christ who said, Let the children come to me in a period of history in which unwanted babies were consigned to the local rubbish dump or abandoned in the forum for anyone to pick up and rear for slavery or prostitution. And it is Jesus Christ who taught the dignity of manual labour by working himself as a carpenter, washing his disciples' feet and saying, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus engaged and interacted with those in society who were considered by worldly terms to be second-class citizens, or not citizens at all. Jesus' message and instructions to love God and love our neighbours don't only apply when we are a particular age or when we've reached a certain point of maturity. It doesn't stop because we change role or get too old. In our earthly bodies, we're temporal beings. We aren't instructed to wait until we reach a certain age to start going and making disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything Jesus has taught us. We also shouldn't stop 
when we reach a certain age, we shouldn't say, oh, well, I'm retired now, so I, I can't do that anymore. We continue to be witnesses for Christ. All of us, from the youngest to the oldest, whether male or female, whether our work or position, we're called to be disciples and to make disciples because God's kingdom is for all. So when it says that we are called to submission, Paul is talking about each of us at all times in all of our lives. Yes, it says, wives be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord. But it's countered with husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's brought together in verse, uh, lost it. It says, each of you, however, should love his wife as himself and wife should respect her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But it also says, and I like the fact that it speaks to fathers, because now I am a father, I know that I uh, can fall victim to, to doing this. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I shouldn't wind up my kids. I mean, it's okay at times to have a bit of fun with them, but I shouldn't be winding them up and causing them to be angry. I need to bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. And it says, slaves obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart as you obey Christ. But it shouldn't be separated from, and masters do the same to them. Stop threatening them. For you know that both of you have the same master in heaven, and with him there is no partiality. Paul is talking about being prepared to lay down our own selfish ambitions, our own wants, our own needs, to serve other people as witnesses to Christ. As we seek to imitate Christ, And in the power of Christ. We're not instructed to be a pushover. We're not instructed to be abused or to be taken for granted. But we are called to live lives of loving obedience to Christ. Ready and willing to put the needs of others over and above our own. Writing to the church in Ephesus, Paul knew that within the congregation that would have heard the letter, that there were husbands and wives, children, employers and employees, just as this church in Usley is also filled with husbands and wives and children, parents, employees and employers. The instruction to Christians is for mutual submission, for the sake of Christ, as a gift to each other. As it says in 5.21, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in all of our roles and our relationships, Christ is at work in us and that should be evident to all. At all times in our lives, whether we are adults, whether we're children, we are called to be imitators of Christ. It doesn't matter how young we are or how old we are. And as imitators of Christ, our instruction The witness of Christ is that we are to lay down our lives for the sake of others. So how do you respond? Perhaps, perhaps you are someone who has been subjected to someone lording it over you. Someone has taken advantage of you. They've abused you. Actually, do you need healing? 
is there, a, is there part of your life where actually you need to receive healing? Please, if you'd like me to pray with you, if you'd like someone else to pray with you, don't go away from here thinking, I've got to carry this with me. Perhaps you need to take that bold step to be set free. So that you are able to forgive. Maybe you need to respond because you are the person who has taken advantage of somebody else. Do you need to seek forgiveness? Do you need to allow the Holy Spirit in to change and to transform you? And as 5.21 says, Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Who is it that God has put on your heart that actually you need to be subject to? That you need to in some way lay down your life for their sake. 